For the rest of us today, we are heading to Parsha Vaishla. Vaishla runs from Genesis 32 and 3 all the way through Genesis 36. It is now the eighth Parsha of the Torah, what is the Jesus backstory. And if you recall from last week, we mentioned that Jacob has been running. Jacob has been doing lots of running, most recently in Parsha Vayetze. But not only has he been running, he's been running from. And that changes. In fact, no longer will Jacob be running from, be running away from, but Jacob will be moving toward. And I think that's significant, not only for Jacob, but I think for each one of us. Now with that, if we were to fly up to a thousand feet and look down, we would see what in Hebrew is called an atbash structure. Think of it as a chiasm. It is this idea where there's a sequence of elements, right? And it can be a chapter, it could be a paragraph, it could be a sentence, it could be a verse. These, the sequence of elements that is, that is presented and then repeated in reverse order. As Rabbi David Foreman describes it, an Atbash structure can do a lot of things. It can find a center of the gravity around which a whole series of ideas seem to revolve, all converging towards the center. There is, he adds, there is a whole world of meaning to be gleaned. Now we come across this sort of Atbash structure all through the Torah, but most notably we find it here as we transition from Parsha Vayetze to Parsha Vayishla. We find that in chapter 32 we read that Jacob is on his way to Canaan, and then later we read that Jacob actually arrives in Canaan. We also read that Jacob encounters angels. You might remember that story. Jacob encounters angels, and he names the place two camps. We also find that later on Jacob, he divides his camp into two groups. We find that Jacob sends messengers to Esau and then later on Jacob himself greets Esau. And what happens is at the center of this Atbash structure, then we find the story of Jacob wrestling with what is described as a man. And what is at the core a story of reconciliation? It's found here in chapter 32 and verses 24 through 30. And so I, I just want to read through that and then we'll take a moment to pray and then we'll do some exploring together. 32 and 24, we read, So Jacob was left alone, and a man wrestled with him till daybreak. When the man saw that he could not overpower him, he touched the socket of Jacob's hip so that his hip was wrenched as he wrestled with the man. Verse 26, then, then the man said, let me go for it is daybreak. But Jacob replied, I will not let you go unless you bless me. The man asked him, what is your name, Jacob? He answered. Then the man said, your name will no longer be Jacob, but Israel because you have struggled with God and with humans and have overcome. Verse 29, Jacob said, please tell me your name. But he replied, why do you ask my name? And he blessed him there. So Jacob called the place Peniel, saying it is because I saw God face to face 
and yet my life was spared. Let's pray. God, Holy Spirit, come be with us in these moments now as we dive into your word. Open our hearts and our minds. Give me your heart to share that together we might hear your voice and that we might be even transformed, that we might be made new, that our, that our hearts might beat with yours. Amen. So it has been said that Parsha Vaishla is like a novel, right? It's this, this character story. It is this, the progression of the life of, of Jacob, keeping in mind, really from early on, as we first have kind of met Jacob, Jacob was a man who we find to be a deceiver, Right? We find that Jacob early on, most notably, he is deceiving, he is, he is cheating his brother Esau, first out of his birthright and then out of his blessing. In fact, we read in 27 and 36, and this is Esau speaking to his father. This is the second time Jacob has taken advantage of me. He took my birthright and now he, he's taken my blessing. But not only Esau, we also read that Jacob deceived his own father, but not only his own father, his father-in-law. In fact, from Laban, he cheated him out of probably hundreds of, of sheep and goats. And now it's some years later, and the word on the street reaches Jacob, hearing that his brother Esau is on, on the road, on his way to, to meet him. And Esau's not coming with cream and roses. Right? He's coming with an attitude. 27 and 41 tells us Esau held a grudge against Jacob because of the blessing his father, Isaac, had given him, Jacob. He, Esau, said, the days of mourning for my father are near. Then I will kill my brother, Jacob. But not only is he coming with this attitude of vengeance and payback and retaliation, but he also comes with a multitude of men, 32 and 6. When the messengers returned to Jacob, they said, We went to your brother Esau, and now he is coming to meet you, and 400 men are with him. And in verse 7, then, it leads Jacob to, in great fear and distress, divide his people who were with him. He believes that if Esau comes and attacks one group, the group that is left may escape. And so with that in mind, we come to verse 24, what is again a story of Jacob wrestling a man, and again, what is at the core really all about reconciliation. Verse 24, we read, it begins, so Jacob was left alone, which is really interesting in that it is juxtaposed against Esau and these hundreds of men, right? The, the 400 men, it says. And yet, maybe it's in that contrast, if we stop there for just a moment, that it's in the contrast that we recognize that oftentimes reconciliation is exactly that. That reconciliation begins with this lonesome endeavor, right? This, this, this kind of painful sort of introspection, right? This, this, this kind of searching of my, 
my heart and mind, right? Exploring my motives, considering maybe what I've done and what I've left undone. Maybe, maybe that, that, that begins with, with me kind of facing my, my failures, my fears, my, weak, my weakness, my sin. And so Jacob was left alone. And then something strange happens. We read, and a man wrestled with him till daybreak, which is interesting. And again, that we just read, Jacob was alone. And then it continues. And it's interesting, really, the two primary characters here. When the man saw that he could not overpower him, he touched the socket of Jacob's hip so that his hip was wrenched as he wrestled, it says, with the man. Then the man said, let me go, for it is daybreak. But Jacob replied, I will not let you go unless you bless me. Verse 27, the man asked him, what is your name? Jacob, he answered. Then the man said, your name will no longer be Jacob, but Israel, because you've struggled with God and with humans and have overcome. Jacob said, please tell me your name. But he, the man, replied, why do you ask my name? Then he, again, the man, blessed him. So Jacob called the place Peniel, saying, it is because I saw God face to face, and yet my life was spared. And so not only do we have this kind of introspective beginning, right? Again, this, this searching of heart and mind, right? When, when, when it comes to reconciliation, there's this sort of inward work that needs to be done. But then we also hear over and over again repeated in this passage about this man, which really begs the question, who is this mystery man? Who is he and, and, and what's this about? Now with that, many believe that he is an angel. In fact, I think the heading for this section, the heading for this section in many translations is, refers to this as God. And so many believe, yes, that this is an angel. And, and, and it does say, Jacob says in the end, he says, I saw God face to face. And then we can also think of passages like Hebrews 13, 13 and 2, tells us to show hospitality to strangers, for by this some have entertained angels without knowing it. And so, okay, maybe, maybe that makes sense. This, this could be an angel. Right, surely this, this is an angel. And yet the text doesn't say an angel. It's interesting, the text doesn't say that. And remember last week, Parshavayetse, right? Jacob has this dream, and in this dream, there's angels, and they're going up and down the ladder, right? And the text states very directly, without any hesitation, that those were, were, were angels. Well, here, it's very clear that he does not say these are angels. In fact, he uses the Hebrew word ish, which most definitely translates as man, that's led some to suggest that, well, maybe this is a metaphor, right? That maybe really what's happening here is Jacob is wrestling with his own conscience. This is part of his own sort of internal struggle. And again, after all, the text says he was alone. And so maybe this just was Jacob in a, in a dreamlike state, wrestling with his own demons, with his own conscience. Another interesting idea is that this is a this man of mystery was Jacob's brother Esau. 
that this is kind of a reenactment maybe of their first wrestling match in the womb of their mother, Rebecca. But again, the text doesn't tell us that. And so in the end, it's just left ambiguous. But that it's left ambiguous for a reason, for a purpose. That, that, that maybe in its ambiguity, that is the point. Right? And, and sort of the confusion of it all, right? I mean, and after all, when we think of reconciliation, oftentimes reconciliation, it's not, it's not neat and clean and tidy. Right? Reconciliation is, is confusing sometimes. It can even be a little bit messy. And so maybe, maybe that's the point. Right? That when it comes to to reconciliation, when it comes to making amends and to, and to putting things right. Maybe, maybe, maybe what it's telling us is that we first begin with our own conscience. We, we, we first begin with that, that sort of examination of the, of, of the self. But as we know, reconciliation never ends there, right? Reconciliation by nature requires another. But not only another, the text would suggest it's also requires God. And maybe, maybe it's a modern sort of concept to try to compartmentalize and try to come up with, with, with exactly what is this text wanting, wanting to tell us. And, and, and maybe, it, maybe, maybe most definitively it's an angel or it's Jacob, but maybe it's, it's not so much. And maybe that sort of idea to compartmentalize, disintegrate it in some way is a modern concept. And maybe that's not what was in that time. And maybe, maybe the deeper invitation here is found in its integration. Found in the, in the way that we integrate the whole of the story, right? The true reconciliation happens only really in the company of self and others and God. We might even get a deeper sense of that. If we drop down to 33 and 10, Jacob here, he makes this interesting statement. He says, for to see your face is like seeing the face of God. For to see your face is like seeing the face of God. Jacob knows, writes author and producer Sarah Lefton, Jacob knows at that moment that the way we see God on earth is by facing the people we have wronged. But again, true reconciliation happens only in the company of self and others and and God, and I think Jesus himself speaks to this, speaks to this idea of, of, of integration, the integration of the self and others and, and God. From Matthew 5 and 23, Jesus speaks of this way of reconciliation, even, I think, reflecting on the story of Jacob and Esau. He says, therefore, if you are offering your gift at the altar, which is interesting in the gift here, doron in the Greek, what is minha in the Hebrew, the same word used at Genesis and 33 for Jacob's gift for his brother Esau. And here, Jesus, he draws us back, in a sense, to that story of Jacob and Esau. And in the same way that it was for Jacob, right? If you are offering a gift, in this case, offering a, a gift to God, and there, remember, right? You call to mind, think your, your conscience, that your brother or sister has something against you, right? You've wronged another. You've wronged the other in some way. Jesus says, leave your gift. Your minha, 
Leave it in front of the altar first. Go and be reconciled to the other. Then come and offer your gift. And in a word, Jesus, again, he retells the Jacob and Esau story, right? That the true reconciliation only happens in the company of self and others and, and God. When we see that of God, when we see that of God, when we see the face of God in the other. The scholar William Barclay, he puts it like this. He says, Jesus is quite clear about this basic fact that we cannot be right with God until we are right with one another. We cannot hope for forgiveness until we have confessed our sin, not only to God, but also to others, and until we have done our best to remove the practical consequences of it. He goes on, we sometimes wonder why there's a barrier between us and God. We sometimes wonder why our prayers seem unavailing. The reason will may well be that we ourselves have erected that barrier through being at variance with our neighbors or because we have wronged someone and have done nothing to put things right. Which invites us to consider for ourselves then, what needs to be put right in my life? And maybe that's an, an introspective moment, right? To consider what needs to be put Right in my life. How is God inviting me to live this way of reconciliation? And perhaps the place, again, to begin is as Jacob did, right? That, that getting alone. And so where and when will I make time to be alone? Today, this week, but, but not just today or this week, but right as a pattern of life, as a practice of life, as a way of life. And right again, maybe we begin with that introspective work. Examine my heart and mind. Consider what I have done and left undone, right? Take inventory, bring to mind, examine the conscience. And it says, if there, Jesus says, if there you call to mind, right, that you have wronged someone, if you have wronged another, the other. Right? He, he doesn't say, well, that's okay, just put it off. Don't worry about it. Right? He says, no, first, right away, straight away, go and be reconciled. Dialosomai. Dialosomai in the, in the Greek, it means to restore to favorable or friendly relations. Which is fascinating in that, again, it, that is straight from the story of, of Jacob and Esau. Jacob speaking, he says, if I have found, he says, if I have found favor, right? If I have found, that means friendly relations, in your eyes, accept this gift, right? This minha, right? For it is in, an, in another, in the other, right? That we see the face of God, which brings us really full circle then. Again, that this, this idea of reconciliation, true reconciliation, it happens in the company of self, others, and God when, when we see, right, that of God in the other, when we see the face of God in the other, and then with that to consider then, with whom is God calling me to seek reconciliation? With whom is God? And I think we get some of the gravity of this and the fact that it was wrestling, right? Wrestling is exhausting. It's hard work. 
Sometimes it's hurt. It hurts. It's painful. With whom is God calling me to seek reconciliation? With whom do I need to seek favorable, friendly relations? So Jacob was left alone, and a man wrestled with him till daybreak.